I know I've taken you on that journey before, but if it be all right, I'd like to preach a little bit more tonight concerning the terrible accident that I was in a few years ago. Understand it was July 22nd of 96. I was pastoring in Southern Illinois. I was on my way to make a hospital visit over in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Some eight miles from the river is where we live there, the Mississippi River. And on my way, in my little Suzuki Samurai, another gentleman in a full-size car, police estimated he was going 70 to 75 miles an hour, and he was talking on his cell phone while he was driving. Now, you're nervous. I'm going to turn over to the book of Proverbs and preach on wisdom, aren't you? Come on here now. But I'm not going to. <laughs> but he was uh, driving way too fast in a full-size car talking on a cell phone, and he inadvertently crossed that yellow line, and he hit me head on. It was a very tragic accident, and uh, they immediately called 911 and the ambulance is headed that way. And in order for them to get to where I was at, they had to go by the parsonage that we lived in. And in the house there was my wife and the two children, two and four years old. And when the ambulances went by, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to my wife's heart. Those ambulances are going for Doug. Now understand, she didn't know that there was a car wreck. She didn't know the uh, terrible condition and the terrible problem that I was in. But let me tell you what she knew. I gave it to you last night. Matthew 18 and 18. Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So right there, my 23-year-old wife, she dropped to her knees, grabbed the two children, and began to call upon the name of Jesus, binding whatever the problem was. She didn't know what the trouble was, but all she could do was bow down there on the floor and begin to bind it in the name of Jesus. And oh, hath he spoken it, shall he not make it good? When the ambulance got there, the head medic in the scene, he got out of the ambulance and ran there to the accident. He had to climb up over on top of the vehicle to get to where he could reach me. He reached down and was trying to relieve some of the pressure around me. And the other medics there told me later that he immediately, his eyes filled with tears. He recognized me. I pastored his mother, 90-something years old, and... This happened on a Monday, Saturday afternoon. I had preached his younger sister's funeral. He recognized me, his eyes filled with tears as he was searching for a sign of life. He raised up and officially pronounced me D-O-A, dead on arrival. He climbed down off of the scene, told the other firemen and other medics to get my body out, he walked over to the ambulance, he sat down, and he wrote up my death certificate. He wrote up my death certificate, and by law, they would have to take me to the hospital to uh, have that death certificate signed for it to be legal by the doctors. 
and so those medics and firemen they're over there working and they uh, was uh, had got the other gentleman out and put him in the ambulance now and, and he had a broken collarbone <coughs> and so they had put him in the ambulance and one of the ambulances and so they was working to get me out and when they got my body out of the wreckage put it there on the cot and begin to walk away with it they got about halfway from the vehicles to the ambulance and there was an explosion the vehicles burnt up those medics said at any time if we had lost three to five seconds at any time not only would you have been burned up but we would have been burned up but oh church I want you to know that God is not a man there's a holiness young lady back at the house and she is finding this trouble in the name of Jesus hath he spoken it shall it not make it good and oh my friend at all of this time now you can certainly understand someone dropped a tool and lost three seconds the smallest little thing could cause you to lose three seconds and at any time, if they would have lost three seconds, we would have all been burned up. But understand, those people that was working with the tools and those people that was prying and doing all that they could, they were just man. And three seconds is easy for man to lose. But God is not a man. And God knew exactly what time it was. And God was in control. And that didn't explode until they was far enough away from it that no one was burned. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Would you say it one more time? God is not a man. Say it again. God is not a man. Woo! And so they got me to the ambulance and on the way to the hospital they kept thinking that they had found a sign of life and then they would lose it in the emergency room it was the same way and they kept working with me and doing all the things that they do and then they would think they had life and then they would lose it and so on my death certificate that is still on file at the union county courthouse that death certificate it has seven times of death where it was marked out and a new time written that I was pronounced dead again seven different times and man did all that they could church I am so thankful that those medics and those doctors were able to get me there get me to that hospital and that they was working so diligently doing all that they could I am so thankful that they did all that they could but that's just man and oh, I'm so sorry to have to tell you, there's going to be a time in most of our lives, no, in all of our lives, that the doctors can't do nothing else. When all that can be done has been done. Come on here now. The doctors had given up, but that's just man. That's just man. They took me and put me there on the cot and spread a white sheet over me, pushed me over against the wall, 
and then they went into the telephones and called Missy and explained to her that all that they said was you need to come to the hospital to identify his body oh my she said are you saying that my husband is dead and they said we cannot discuss that on the telephone just come and identify the body get here as soon as you can and don't bring no children and so doctors man had done all they could they had called her to identify the body and she immediately hung up the phone and she began to call the deacons of the church there in Illinois and she called back to Cincinnati to our home church to our pastor her daddy and told her daddy what they had said and immediately the folks from the Illinois church begin to call each other and begin to call around and the folks from up in Cincinnati at the home church they begin to call each other and immediately there was a holiness prayer meeting going on Woo! could I remind you of that next scripture again I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything they shall ask it shall be done for them of my father which is in heaven hey 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 that's what Jesus said and God is not a man Woo! I understand that if any of those good folks could have came and helped me that it came and helped me but they couldn't get there that quick and it was just as well there was nothing they could do while that I was laying there with no one around me just pushed over against the wall covered up with a white sheet and there was holiness people calling upon Jesus Oh, Jesus, you have given us a promise. Then God is not a man. Hath he spoken it, shall he not make it good? Meanwhile, Dr. Martin told me the story himself. He said, I'd been there all night long, and my shift was finally over. I had so much to do. I was in a hurry to get out of there. He said as I was leaving... You caught my eye, and I thought, over there is Lang the Preacher Boy. I ought to go over there and check on him one more time. But I don't have time. I have got so much to do. He says, so I just started walking faster, and something was pulling me over there to you. He said, I don't know what it was. I know what it was. He said, I reached underneath the white sheet. Now, church man has done all that they can do but there's a prayer meeting going on he said i reached underneath the white sheet i took you by the hand and when i did i felt a strong pulse he said i immediately turned you around and wheeled you back in there and said hey hey something's going on this preacher's alive he's got a strong pulse hey hey and so it was quite a time in the emergency room and then intensive care. Day after day, time after time, they had thought that 
that was all that they could do, that they was losing me, that things was, time was running out. But time after time, the Holiness Church went to prayer. And time after time, God proved that he's not a man. God proved time after time he's not a man. And so after uh, quite a few weeks in intensive care, they put me in what they call the step-down unit. Are you familiar with what I'm speaking of? Where they still can monitor you to somewhat, but not to be in intensive care anymore. And there I was allowed to have visitors. I was in my own room. On one particular night, all the visitors had left except for my wife and her mama, Sister Miller. They were sitting there at the foot of the bed when in the middle of the night, without any notice or any way of knowing that it was going to happen, my lungs collapsed. The doctors and nurses immediately came running in, and the first thing they did was ask Missy and her mom to leave the room and go down the hallway to an emergency or to a waiting area there, and they began to work with me and was doing all that they could. They was using everything that they had. They was doing everything that they could, doing all that they could. And finally, after much work, the doctor walked down the hallway again to look at my wife and her mom and explain to them they had done all that they could, but there was no hope. It would just be a few more minutes and I would be gone. And they were sorry. That's man talking. Come on here now. That's man talking. That's man talking! But let me tell you what God said. After that the doctor walked away, Missy said that her and her mom, they started uh, crying again and saying, oh, you know, we've got to pray. And that there was a scripture that came to their hearts. Let me read it to you. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. Woo! God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Woo! And God is not a man. All that Missy and her mom could do, holding hands there in that waiting area, was to pray, call upon Jesus, and let him know that they believed he is not a man. He has said it, and they have got to hold on to it. And oh, let me tell you, obviously my lungs are just fine. I can even holler! I'm thankful for all that they tried to do, but they could only do so much. I'm so thankful to Jesus. He has allowed me to stand here all on my own and break the bread of life again. Thank you, Jesus. So after a long stay in the hospital, 
I had been in the hospital for such a long period of time that they called my wife into another little room. They explained to her that I was no longer at the point of life and death. However, there was so many things that was wrong that they felt like I should be monitored and cared for 24-7. I was 29, she was 23 with two small children. And they said, there's just no way that you can uh, do a uh, good job of taking care of him. And understand that he is 90% blind, legally blind, will be the rest of his life. They explained to her that my left side was partially paralyzed, completely useless, and would be the rest of my life. At that time, I could not even sit up on my own. They explained to her that my jaw, my bottom jaw, was completely broken in many pieces. They described it as crushed, and it had been wired shut in hopes that it would grow back together on its own, and therefore, I could not speak plainly. And they explained that someday they hoped that they could surgically rebuild the jaw, but the brain damage was so severe I would never have the mentality to speak again in complete sentences. They explained to her that my mind, my brain was so damaged, I would be that way the rest of my life. The only way that I could be fed was through IVs and through a straw that they would put through some broken teeth. That's the only way I could be fed. I couldn't uh, talk plainly. My wife was kind of like my interpreter. She could understand most of what I was saying. And I was very much crippled and blinded and, and in pain all over my body. They explained to her that I needed to be released from the hospital. But the only way that they would agree to do that is if she would sign the appropriate paperwork to have me transported by an ambulance to a local nursing home. And so, at 29 years old, this preacher lived in a nursing home. At 29 years old, day after day, they would take me uh, in my wheelchair, push me down the hallways, and talk to me good, and say so many wonderful things to me. But understand, my friend, that uh, I was unable to speak plainly, unable to think plainly. I was in pain all the time. I was unable to see, 90% blind. And oh, let me tell you that every day, different folks from my church I pastored and folks from home would come to visit me some seven hours away. Every day I was in there, I had visitors. Praise the Lord. Every day, those good folks, they would hug me. They would pray for me. And they would say all the right things. But understand, these folks that I pastored and all of my family and friends that came from Cincinnati, they were all just man. And man had made a rule, a decree, that at a certain time in the evening, all man had to leave and visiting hours would be over. And so every day, they would all have to leave. They would allow Missy to stay a little bit longer most of the time, 
but everyone would have to leave and leave me there by myself. But understand, my friends, I'm talking about man. Come on here now. I said I'm talking about man. Amen. Come on now. And so understand that there was one evening that I was there when they had all left. The devil was playing mind games on my mind and my emotions. That I was feeling so lonely and so upset, worried, discouraged over being left there. And understand that some of my dearest friends was there with me that day. Guys that I know, they would do anything and everything they could for me. They're my friends. But they're just man. And when visiting hours was over, they had to leave. That was as long as they could stay. But oh, let me tell you about my God. My God is not a man! Woo! And I will never forget the feeling of that evening I was sitting there in my wheelchair by the doorway leading out into the parking lot and I couldn't see plainly. I could see light and a little bit of movement and so forth and, and they all said the right things. We love you! We love you! But then you were coming. But oh, let me tell you, there was that night that I was feeling so sorry for myself that Jesus, with his big spiritual arm, he came down to me and he put his arm around me. And he just held me close to him. And he never felt nothing quite like that. And he spoke to my heart and said, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. For he has said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Hey, 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 I'm talking about my Jesus. He don't ever leave you, friend. There are times in all of our lives, maybe you haven't been there yet, but if you live long enough, you'll be there, that we feel like our world as we know it has come to an end. But I'm so glad to know that when man has gone as far with you as they can, God is still right there. Oh, the Savior and His precious Spirit is still right there! Woo! Day after day, when the devil would begin to fight me, begin to try to play with my mind, the Lord would bring that verse to me. I would just begin to quote and to say, as the psalmist David wrote, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they come. Woo! Understand, she is now 31, but then she was 23, and she had a two-year-old and a four-year-old children by herself at home. Understand that 
the wonderful church, some of the best people in the world that we pastored, but understand they're just people, and people are people. And so when the pastor was laid up, there was a whole lot of tug and war, and I understand a lot of disgruntlement and tug of war about who is really in charge now that Brother Doug isn't here. <laughs> and so that lot fell hers to carry the load to keep down problems and do her part as a 23-year-old mother of two children to pastor a good-sized church. My, what a load. Understand that there was tremendous pressure continuously from the family, mainly my family, which is certainly understandable. I'm not throwing stones at them at all. I, I understand. I was some seven hours from home in a nursing home and and they wanted me in a, taken care of up there and I understand that but she said I can't leave the church they're dependent on me and she was under great great stress and pressure a few years ago she got to crying and told me about some passage in the scripture that she read and said right here is what I used to read all the time during that time that the Lord would just feed me with. Can I read it to you? Isaiah 40 and 29. He giveth power. Isaiah 40 and verse 29. You might want to mark this in your Bible, but I'd say a bunch of you has already got it marked. Isaiah 40 starting at verse number 29. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary shall walk and not faint. Woo! They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Hallelujah. Hey, hey, hey. Let me tell you something. My holiness mom, my good daddy, some of the best people ever walked on this earth. You hear me? But they're just people. They're just people. My wonderful pastor and his wife, brother and sister Miller, Missy's mom and dad, absolutely, uh, I'm telling you, they are just beyond description of what people that they are. So holy, so on fire, so wonderful, but they're just man. Come on. At the time in the nursing home, my wife, it was very obvious to her. I hated every second in that place. I wasn't happy with it. I didn't like it, I couldn't understand, I hated it. And so God began to speak to her heart. Do you remember the story of the man in the Bible that had a son that would throw himself in the fire and, and was just full of demonic spirits? And how that he said, and straightway the father of the child cried out, and said with tears, I believe, help, my, help thou mine unbelief. I believe, Lord, but would you help my unbelief? 
There's no question about it. Misty believed, but oh, she needed the Lord to help her unbelief. What she needed was a gift from God. Under day after day, there were so many wonderful people, wonderful men of God and their wives that drove so far just to come and visit with me and pray with me and to hug Missy and say good words to her. And you know, so many of them, they gave monetary gifts to Missy. And so many of them, they gave her a gift of love. And oh, she needed that so much. And I'm so glad that they did. Amen? But understand that what she really needed, man could not give up. We're just man. But oh, could I share with you, my friend, that God, out of heaven, gave Missy a wonderful gift of faith. Faith that is absolutely beyond what I can understand. I was there. And I look back and I can't understand it. I can't even realize how she did it other than just the simple fact that it was a good and perfect gift from above. She walked into the nursing home. She asked to speak to the administrators. And she explained to them that the Lord has spoken to my heart that he's going to heal Doug. For me to take him out of the nursing home so he can start going to church and the Lord's going to heal him. No. no way. Absolutely not. There is no way that in his condition, the longer that we have him, every day we understand more that there is no way that you can take care of him like he needs to be cared for at home. That ain't going to happen. And she said, well, I know the Lord has spoke to me. Now let me tell you about that gift of faith. Now here she was saying, I've been told that by some family that I'm allowed to come in here and sign him out. And, and, and you, you ain't allowed to keep him. And they brought the attorneys in. They was taking this very serious. And they laid it out on paper and explained to her that she was going to sign this paper, that she acknowledged this before she left with me. And on that paper, it said that she understood that she was liable for my life if I did not live whenever she left with me. They said, he won't live long if you take him out of care. He won't live long and you're going to be liable. Oh, my friends, there were so many. I have been hearing the stories over the years of good people, some family members, some church folks, people that we love that are good people, that questions her wisdom. And how in the world could you do something like that? My friends, they all said that they believed Jesus was going to heal me. But how in the world do you think are you going to take him out of that nursing home and bring him home and take care of him? What's wrong with you? 
Come on here now. Faith without works is dead. Amen? Come on now. Come on here now. I'm so thankful that whenever faith is believed and have works, all the day that Brother Kevin and Sister Teresa Webster from out here in Oklahoma, you know them surely, they come to visit Missy and me, and they was there the day that she got the uh, okay to leave me or take me out of the nursing home. Took me home. And oh, I'm so glad she did. And oh, my friend, they brought in the hospital bed there in the living room. And that is where I laid day after day and night after night. And that is where I lost control of my emotions and my mind. Understand there is a place called discouragement. I had been to that place called discouragement for a long time now. But oh, there is a deep valley. No, it's a pit that is beyond discouragement. The medical field calls it depression. Do you know what I'm talking about? And oh, I had been in discouragement but whenever I was laying there in that hospital bed in the living room day after day with different folks in the family would come and stay with us to try to help take care of me and we had that and it was just it was a horrible situation for Missy. Understand, I got beyond discouragement. One night, when I had reached the bottom, 
the telephone rang early in the morning. Missy answered the phone and came carrying the cordless phone. And she said, Doug, it's Brother Shaw from Arkansas. You all know Brother Ben Shaw from Fairlands. And Brother Shaw, he has heard me tell this, and he's made it very clear to me that he wants you to know he is only a man. And he was only doing what God said to do. Okay? He doesn't want to be put up any higher than what he is. And understand, I took the phone, and she laid the phone into my ear, and I said, oh, I couldn't speak plainly. <laughs> he said, Brother Doug, this is Brother Ben. I was down praying this morning, and the Lord spoke to me. He told me to get up from praying and come in here and call you. He told me to tell you! You've got hope. There's no reason to be depressed! He said for me to tell you, you're going to come out of this. He's going to bring you out of this, and you're going to preach again! Now understand that Missy was right next to me holding the phone for me and all that sounded like precious words to her to hear that great man never been a man I've had any greater respect, confidence or admiration for than Brother Shaw and the Lord knew that. That's why the Lord chose him. But understand as Missy was listening and hearing all that done something for her. But understand I know I heard his voice too. And I'm so glad the Lord has allowed me to remember his words. But I heard a voice much louder than Brother Shaw's. Woo! Let me tell you about my God, who is not a man. Jesus came walking through my closed door. And he walked up to me and he stretched out his hand and he said, Peace be unto you. And don't you know, church, that when Jesus says peace, there is peace. Yeah. I said when Jesus says peace, there is peace. You know what you need tonight? You just need to hear the Lord say peace be unto you. And when the Lord says peace, there is peace. It is peace that passes all understanding. Yeah. Woo! Hallelujah. When I look back at it, I think to myself, I was still laying there in pain. I couldn't see no better. I couldn't talk no better. I couldn't stand up. I couldn't even hold that phone there with my left side. And it was just Brother Shaw on the telephone. A great man, but a man. Amen? But, you know, from that moment till now, I have never been in that pit of depression again. I don't believe I'll ever be back down there in that pit again because Jesus brought me out of that pit. Now, you know, I'm going to tell you the truth. That is more than I can understand. 
I can't explain that to you. Well, yeah, I was laying there still in that condition. All that it was, brother, show on the phone, and I ain't never been depressed since. What no, that is peace that passes all understanding. Because my Jesus, when he says peace, there is peace. When Jesus says peace, there is peace. Hey, mind, I'd like to just take a moment to praise the Lord for giving me the life, the health, the strength, the mind to stand here and break the bread of life. Glory, glory, glory. You know, I understand, church. I certainly understand that I am not no great preacher. I understand that, that I'm not even a real good preacher. But you know what? If you could have seen where he brought me from, I am so thankful that I can stand here and just do my little part to remind you how big that our God is. Thank you so much. Praise the Lord. I've been preaching to you about so much that uh, happens from that terrible, tragic accident. And you know, I've tried to understand it in my mind. Been a few days fasting and praying, trying to understand it. You know, two of my uncles died in car wrecks. One of my good buddies died in a car wreck. Got a good friend there in in Florida uh, that is in a wheelchair and uh, paralyzed from his neck down and just such pitiful condition. Why, Lord? Why? Well, the, I know by reading the scripture and having good sense that it isn't because the Lord loves me more than he loved them. I know that. It certainly isn't because that I am such a better person and I'm just such a better guy. Lord have mercy. I know that's not it. But you know, the Lord has spoken to my heart and let me know and explain to me that he has given me a trust and a great responsibility, a great privilege that I am to be a reminder to the Holiness Church that our God is still in business. tell you my friend that in all of those injuries and all of those things that was wrong with me there was one thing that just stands out to me as being the most painful annoying part of it all uh, I explained to you that my jaw was broken it was broken many times the doctors described it as crushed it was just crushed broken many times my bottom jaw they had taken metal wires Ran them up in the upper gums, back out, wrapped it around the tooth, down in the lower gum, back out, wrapped it around the tooth, up in the upper gum, back out, wrapped it around the tooth, down in the lower gum, back out, wrapped it around the tooth. Getting the picture, all the way around my mouth, they sewed my mouth together shut. It was their hopes that with time, the bone would just begin to naturally heal, and in order to do that, it needed to not, it, they had to get it all set, right? All the bones back in the right places, all together just right, and not move at all. And so because of a, some broken teeth, that I could get a straw in my mouth. Understand that for several months, the only thing that I took in 
was what would fit through that straw. Oh, my friend. I had lost much, much weight. I was so weak. I was so hungry. I was so discouraged and just so tired of being so weak and so hungry. And my jaw just seemed like it ached all the time. Well, my wife's brother, Brian Miller, I know a lot of you all know Brian, Missy's brother, and he's pastoring up in Cincinnati now, and Brian was there in the uh, house with us, helping Missy take care of me for a few days, and I told Brian, I said, Brian, out there in the back of our van is a toolbox. In that toolbox is a pair of metal wire cutters. And if you'll go get me those metal wire cutters and you'll help me cut these metal wires, I'll give you every dollar that's in my wallet here. And I just laid my wallet down there. I knew that's going to get him now. That's a lot of money. You know, I don't know how much money was even in there, but I knew he'd love to have all the money in my wallet, right? He said, Doug, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I can't do that. That, that wouldn't be wise. I, I can't do that. I said, Brian, I'm so hungry. I'm so tired of being like this. And understand that I couldn't talk plain enough that he could on, only understand about half of what I would say. I was saying it as clear as I could, but it was really hard to talk, as you can imagine. And he couldn't understand all that I was saying, but I was begging him to do it. And he said, you know, Doug, if I went out there and I got those metal wire cutters, and me and you cut those metal wires. Don't you know that Missy would catch us? She'd put you right back in the van, take you right back to the specialist, and hit sew that mouth right back together? I said, I know that, Brian. I'll get me a sandwich before she catches us. Please help me. And you know, he just wouldn't do it. Well, now me and Brian have been good friends since we was kids. I now he's my brother-in-law and I sure do love him. But understand, you all know I'm telling you the truth, that as good as your friends are, if you have got a sibling, a brother that you have gotten close to, there's just no friends that understand you like your sibling does, like your brother does. And so, in anger, I said, that's all right, Brian. My brother Dwayne is going to be here Saturday, and he'll help me get this cut. And so Saturday, Dwayne was there, and I was so glad to see him. And I told him to get out there and get me those metal wire cutters. Me and him was going to cut these metal wires. And you know, he told me the same exact thing that Brian did. Doug, don't you know Missy will catch us? She'll take you right back. I know Dwayne, but I'm going to get me a sandwich. Well, he started crying. He, he's my brother. He loves me. He started crying. He said, Doug, I, I can't do that. I can't do that. And so when he had uh, left the room and I got by myself, I don't really remember what it was. It was a fork or, or, or a butter knife. I don't remember exactly what it was. But I just kind of got inside my teeth there, and I yanked on dirt. I did all that I could to open my mouth. Well, I couldn't tell that I had moved it at all. 
but it started hurting worse than it ever had. The pain was just so bad. I just was sitting there crying with the pain. It was hurting so bad. Missy came and took me back to the specialist there to find out what was going on. And so uh, he'd done the x-rays and he came back in, you know, as, as if, you know, he needed 10 years of uh, doctor experience or 10 years of education to find this out. He came back in and he said, sir, I know what is going on. You have been trying to open your mouth. I've lost 60 pounds, I'm starved to death, and yeah, I've been trying to open my mouth. And so he said, well, I'm going to get all these bones set back, and he worked and, and got all the bones set back together, and he said, now the only thing I know to do is I'm going to tighten these wires, and I'm going to tighten them so tight that you will never be able to move your jaw again until we take these wires out. Well, that, my friend, was pain beyond description. It was pain beyond what I can describe to you. Oh, my friend, if you grasp your teeth together as hard as you could, you can in no way imagine how tight that he had my mouth wired together shut. And oh, my friends, in all of this pain, there was a fact in the Bible. Now remember that God is not a man. Amen? God is not a man. Come on. And hath he said it? Shall he not do it? Hath he spoken it? Shall he not make it good? Let me remind you of what God said. There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Woo! And so in our common everyday talk, that is how that we say he'll allow no more to be put upon you than you can bear Thank you for the promise, Jesus. Thank you for the promise! But understand that this pain, it got so bad. The pain was so great that I just felt like this was more than I could bear. You know, I'm so glad that God knows me better than I know me. It obviously, I could take it a little more. Oh, friend, I'll tell you, don't let the devil deceive you and think that the Lord has left you. The Lord knows how much you can bear. And he, my friend, is not going to allow any more to be put upon you, but he will make a way for your escape that ye may be able to bear it. Amen! Oh, what a time of trouble that this was. Oh, what a time of pain. And so, Missy, she said, well... I feel like the best thing for me to do is take you home, Cincinnati, some seven hours away, so that the home church, they can pray for you. You can be with the family and friends, and it'll help you to feel better. And so we drove back to Cincinnati, and uh, she took me to church and understand that I was 90% blind. 
Understand that I was crippled and in the wheelchair. Understand that I was in pain from head to toe. And understand that my jaw was in absolutely the worst pain I ever, never could ever even dream or imagine of having. We had church Saturday nights. They wheeled me up front and they prayed for me and they cried and they prayed. And when I left, I was still in just that much pain and agony. Oh, dear Jesus. And so Sunday morning, I, they brought me back to church and the morning worship came. They wheeled me back up front and they all gathered around and they prayed and they cried. And when it was over, I was still in that much pain. Oh, dear Jesus. That night, the same thing. Monday morning came, and Missy had said, well, we will head back to Illinois now. And they had me. I was in the chair. I was ready to go back home to Illinois now. And Missy was in the back room in her mom and dad's house of praying. She came in in a few minutes, and she said, well, Doug, I feel like the Lord has spoke to my heart not to go back to Illinois yet. But before we take you back to have you prayed for one more time, to take you back to church and have you prayed for it again, well, understand it was Monday, and nobody has church on Monday. And so uh, they was in revival, homecoming annual revival over across the river about 40 minutes away at the Taylor Mill Church where Brother Gallagher is pastor. And they was in their annual homecoming revival. Brother Ralph Horton was the preacher. And she said, well, we'll go over there so they can pray for you. And oh, my friends, I've got to be honest with you. I'm just going to tell you, my friends, I didn't want to go. I didn't want to be the spectacle and another church to go in and visit in that condition and, and all the eyes looking at me and everybody. See, I, I didn't want to go through that. And the pain was so bad. I just wanted to be left alone if I was going to have to suffer this. And oh, I know all the pain medicine was there, but I was just trying to hold on to faith and was not taking any pain medicine for it, not taking anything in like that, just trusting God. And oh, I just wanted to just go back to Illinois and be left in my bed and just not be taken somewhere else to be made a spectacle of. But oh, let me tell you, my friend, I'm so glad that she obeyed God. They brought me in. They set me down back here in the back on this side. Brother Horton got to preaching. And, you know, he got to preaching all about there is faith for victory. Having faith for victory. And he just stopped. And he said, the Lord just spoke to me for us to go back and pray for Brother Doug. Now, understand I had not seen or talk to Brother Horton or anything since the accident and understand that to look at me you could see that I was crippled you could see that I was blind you could see that I had a lot of things wrong with me amen but you could not see the condition of my jaw you could not see that I had pain right there that was beyond description Brother Horton he took the bottle of oil and you know, we holiness people, we do it just like the Bible says, anointing them with oil. Amen. Amen. 
Now, why do we do it just like we do it? Well, I don't know. We're just holding people, and that's the way we do it. We have a lot of folks that are one-finger fellows. We have some that are two-fingers. You know, you know what I'm talking about? And then we take the oil, and we just lay it on your forehead, usually, and just pray for you like, why do we do it that way? That's just who we are. Amen? Well, Brother Horton took the oil, they said, and he stopped. He took the oil, and he poured it in his hands. And he came back with the oil all in his hands. And he came back to where I was. I asked him the other day in revival, I said, Brother Horton, why did you do it like you did? He said, because the Lord spoke to me and said, I'm going to heal Doug's jaw tonight. Go back there and pray for him. And he took that oil and he just started rubbing it all over my bottom jaw. Not my forehead, not my head, not my top jaw. Just not all of where I was crippled at and my eyes, I was blind. None of that. But my pain was in my jaw. And he just started rubbing that oil all around my jaw. And the only thing I remember him saying, he might have said a little bit more, but the only thing I was hearing him say was, in the name of Jesus, 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 Jesus. Don't you love that name of Jesus? Would you just say that name of Jesus? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hey, 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 let me tell you, my friend, all of that pain that was right there in my jaw, immediately, Jesus took away every bit of it. Right then, there was no pain left. You know, I was in so much pain, I was really questioning in my mind, dear God, have you left me? Why? It has been several days now. I can't stand no more. Why am I like this? There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Come on, Come on here now. Jesus was watching over me the whole But right then, every bit of the pain left, and it left right then! Woo! Let me tell you, the next day, we started back to Illinois, sitting there in the front seat of the van. My wonderful wife was driving, and something that I do my best to describe it to you and tell you about it, but understand that I'm just very limited with my vocabulary. I just felt something in my mouth. When I felt something in my mouth, that I'm telling you, it felt like it was just getting larger. I felt my, and so I done what you would have done. I opened my mouth to see what it was. And I opened my mouth, and when I did, a big blob ball of metal wires fell out of 
of my mouth and landed in my hand. to do that. It never crossed my mind one time. All of those times folks was praying for me, and when Brother Horton came back there and rubbed that oil all over me, I had one thing on my mind. Hey, listen, please take this pain from me, dear God. Dear God, please take this pain from me. Oh, and you know what? He did it. He took away the pain, and then, well, abundantly, beyond anything I could even ask or think, all the metal wires Understand that Missy, she uh, she said, now, I, I said, the Lord just gave me a miracle. And she explained to me, I, I believe he has. Oh, I believe he has, Doug, but we're not getting off the next exit to get you a hamburger. Because we need the doctor to check this out because if you... Morning... I'm not talking about a day or a couple days. It had been months since I had anything to eat. I think it had been three or four months since I had had a bite of food. And let me tell you, my friend, uh, she was giving me day to every day, several times a day, this little bitty thing. It's not of God. It's called Ensure. <laughs> I hate to use that language in a, a good congregation like this, but that's what it's called. Lord have mercy. The first glasses, however many of them there was, you know, that's all right, but Lord, that last million, which I know that's an exaggeration, but oh, I'm telling you, oh, I hated that stuff. It got so tiresome of drinking that insure. And so, that next morning, she had me there at the specialist office before he got there, and there I was. I was crippled. I was blind. I had my mouth wide open. I was smiling. And whenever he got out of his car, I was there with those metal wires in my hand. He says, let's go directly in and get some x-rays. He took the x-rays, and he stayed gone a long time. Finally, he came back in, and he had my uh, wife in there, and uh, my mom had came in, and, and my mom and my wife was there, and he put on this uh, lighted-up thing, three x-rays. You seen those lighted things that they put x-rays up on there so, they can, so you can read them? He put three of them up there. He said, now, this first x-ray, and I'll use as many of his words that I remember absolutely for sure that he said as I can. He said, this first jaw you will see this is the morning of the accident and you will see that that bone has been crushed that it's in bad shape now this second x-ray you can see that this is the same jaw it is still crushed just as bad and the only difference is a few metal wires going here and there and then he said this other jaw yes. Yeah. That's what he said. Glory. Glory. And then he, he taught me something about medical that I didn't know. He said, someone who is experienced at reading x-rays 
Whenever you break a bone, they can show you exactly where that break was. Many years later, it will still be scarred right there. He said, now, this other jaw has never been broken. He said, this other jaw has never been injured. Now, understand, I was born with TMJ. You know what that is? Where your jaw, it gets out of a joint sometimes and, and it pops and cracks. And I remember when I was a teenager, one time I yawned so big, the true story, it came out of joint and had to rush me to the hospital just to get, the, get my jaw back in joints. But this jaw doesn't have any problems. He said, he said, sir, in my professional opinion, someone has given you a brand new job. He is able to do abundantly, exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. That wasn't even what I had ever asked or ever thought of. But understand, my friends, that he just loves us that much. He just loves you that much. And God is not a man. They were saying, we're going to get it so still and unmovable that it will kind of grow back. And if not, in a few years down the road, we can surgically repair that whenever you get your strength up and everything gets, we can surgically repair that jaw. My God is not a man. Come on here now. It didn't need to be still and it didn't need to be surgically repaired. Hey, hey. My friend, there came that time that our good Oklahoma friends, Brother Kevin and Sister Teresa, was going up to Cincinnati to preach a revival at our home church. And that was some seven hours away, but we wanted to go because we love our friends, because that's where all our family is, that's the home church, and because I was hoping so badly that the church would get a hold of God. Brother Miller knew that we was coming, and so he explained to the church, again, they had seen me. You all know that Doug is blind. You all know that Doug is crippled in a wheelchair. You know that Doug's mentality is very weak, and he's struggling, having a lot of confusion. My mouth had already been open, but that was a wonderful miracle that I had received, but understand I was still blind. I was still in the wheelchair. I was still confused. I, my left side was still partially paralyzed and totally useless. I was still in pain every day, all day, all over my body. I was in pain. Brother Miller told the church this, and in that revival, all different holiness people they begin to fast and pray come on here now 
when holiness people begin to fast and pray, heaven takes notice. Brian, he went, Lord have mercy! 
that I made up my mind more than once. Tonight, I have to go to the bathroom. I'm not going to holler. I'm not going to wake them up. I'm going to go. I would convince myself that it is all about self-control, mind over matter, Christian scientist doctrine. I am going to walk tonight. I am not waking up this house. I would get myself on the end of the bed and I'd work my way up and here I go. And I'd lean forward and get my feet on the ground and then I'd lean forward and hit the ground really hard. Oh, the worst time I did it, it was really the only time I ever got hurt much doing it. My dad was there helping Missy. Lord have mercy. He yelled and carried on. It's not horrible. Just like a dad, I'm telling you what. And when I stood up and I wasn't falling, oh, it felt so good. Sure it did. And Brother Miller, he said, let's pray and be dismissed. And while they were praying, I was battling. I was battling on the inside a warfare that nobody knew it was going on. In my heart, something was saying, this is it. Take a step. This is it. Take a step. But there was such a loud roaring in my mind. That's not God. Don't be so foolish and embarrass the church. Scare your mom and dad. Yeah, after what God has done for you. Look, man, you're not blind now. What a way for that service to end. Everybody gathered around you trying to see if you're all right because you're laying on the ground. Don't do that. Grab the walker. Hardest decision I ever made was to take that step. Hallelujah. Listen to me, church. When Jesus begins to deal with your heart, it's time to take a step. It's time to take yes. a step. And whatever aspect that he's dealing with you, the devil is going to be there roaring and screaming so loud. That's not God. Don't embarrass yourself, your family, your church. Don't do it. Grab the walker! So I've wondered so many times, Pastor, I've wondered about this. Sometimes I get by myself and I just think about this. Maybe it's a crazy thought, but I wonder about this. If I had grabbed that walker, I wonder how long it would have been, hopefully sometime or another, but I don't know how long, if ever, it would have been until he came by like that again. That's right. For me to receive that healing. Oh, yes. I'm so thankful. Yes. That you know, when God says move, you better move. Yes. Come on now. Yes. And oh, I took a big deep breath. Oh, I remember it so well. I was so scared. I'm not going to lie to you and say, and then a bunch of faith. I just know, friend. I was so scared. I took a big deep breath. And I said, in the name of Jesus, every muscle in my body was tense. And I took a step. And I did fall. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I took another step, but I didn't fall. By that third step, here came my wonderful daddy. He 
had my walker with him. He'd come running around the corner with the dog, 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 dog. Here's some, here's some. Grand walker, grand walker, grand walker. I said, Dad, I love you so much. I'm going to let you have it. <laughs> Church, I haven't never used it since. Glory, glory, glory. Oh, I will never forget when I walked. Without my walker, I walked back into physical therapy. I could see my left side was no longer paralyzed. They were still trying to figure out why I was talking so good. And I walked in there and said, look, Jesus has healed me. My, 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 God is not a man. If I could heal you, I would. If I could just hand out healings tonight, I would. But I can't. I can't. All that I can do is tell you of the price that was paid. Of Jesus' promises. And that God is not a man. That's right.